Hey, you're listening to Overtired on ESN with Brett Terpstra and Christina Warren. How's it going, Christina? I'm good. How are you, Brett? Welcome back. Hey, thank you. Um, yeah, I let's see. We did our last podcast. Was it two weeks ago now? Uh, yeah, it was about two weeks ago. Right after wow, I got okay. back from the uh, the Los Angelinos or whatever. We are so sporadic. We are so sporadic. Um, yeah, so I, I, I came out to your end of the country, but I didn't see you. No, you didn't. You were a little bit further north of me. You were in Maine, correct? Yeah, well, uh, two days in New Hampshire, and then three days in Maine, and then back to Manchester's New Hampshire, isn't it? I believe so, yeah. That, that sounds right. When I was a kid and we went on road trips with my parents, they would give us maps, and we had to highlight the route as we traveled it. And that actually made you, like, uh, <laughs> learn geography. <laughs> I was going to say, that's and, actually a good way to learn geography. I We did not do that when I was a child, although we mostly <laughs> just went to, like, Florida, so. Well, we didn't do it on this trip, and uh, I really don't know where we were half the time, so. <laughs> but Portland is awesome. Portland, Maine. Portland, Maine. I will be in Portland, Oregon this time next week. See, I don't tell any of our friends in Portland, Oregon. Uh-huh. But I think Portland, Maine is more my style than Portland, Oregon. Interesting. I wouldn't have... Well, I've never been to Portland, Maine, so I can't judge. But but Portland, Oregon totally seems like your kind of place. See, I love Portland, West Coast Portland. It's... And it's got... It's changed a lot in the last 20 years, uh, progressively. But the, the... I don't know. There's something about my personality that just does better in the Upper East Coast. But there's really no place I've ever visited in the Upper East Coast that I really wanted to live. Portland seemed like I could do it, though. I get the best of, like, the the faster East Coast personality, <laughs> more abrasive personality. Right, that makes sense. And less of the hippie feel bad about not riding a bicycle thing. Yeah, no, that's true. Everyone in Portland, Oregon, is ridiculously nice. Like, everyone, like, waves and says hello. Like, I was at an Airbnb there last year, and... I'm staying in one this year, too, and I remember, like, walking from the neighborhood to the venue at XOXO, which is where I'm going to Portland for, and, like, seeing, like, random people, like, running down the sidewalk and just, like, smiling and waving like I'm a neighbor. And then I'm like, I have no idea who you are. I was like, I am not in New York anymore. Do you want to hear a story? I do want to hear a story. I don't know if I've ever told you about our road trip when I was 16, but me and a bunch of friends bought a really bad, crappy custom van. And we drove it from Minnesota to uh, all the way down to like SoCal, but we did it through the Badlands and then up to the tip, upper tip of the West Coast, and then drove all the way down it. And uh, so ultimately, uh, about I would say three quarters of the way through the trip, we were in Portland and Seattle. And we drove into town. I'm pretty sure it was Portland, but it might have been Seattle. But we drove into town and we were immediately followed by this guy waving frantically out of his window, and he followed us for several stoplights. And, uh, and then eventually, <laughs> at one stoplight, he held a sign written in two different color markers to tell us our taillight was out. And we thought, wow, that's no nope, people don't do that. And so we went and we stopped at a shop to grab a new taillight, and the guy, uh, he fixed it, he gave us a new taillight, installed it, and sent us on our way without charging us anything. And then the McDonald's was willing, they locked the door for 10 minutes so that we could use their bathroom for uh, makeshift showers, like clean up just a little bit. And like that would never happen in most cities. Although I've always been, I have this opinion of like New York City that it's a lot, uh, a rougher city, but there are some amazingly nice people in New York too. I've yeah, always really been dependent on the kindness of strangers when traveling, and New York has impressed me, partly because of my very low expectations, but partly because, man, someone who will stop on the subway, lay out all the maps, and show you exactly where you need to go, even though they're waiting for their train, that's pretty cool. Right. I once dropped something into, like, like I had, like, a hat on or something, and I dropped it, it, like, it fell off, I, like, blew off my head and, like, down into the subway, like, into the train track, and a dude jumped down picked up my hat and climbed back up and gave it to me that's pretty awesome i was like that was not worth potentially you know 
risking your safety. But thank you so much. So, you know, no, you're right. There are great people in New York, but we're just not a place where, you know, even in Brooklyn, we're like, you randomly like wave and say hi to, to, to strangers in the neighborhood. They're certainly wonderful people, though. <laughs> See, we do that in Minnesota. But if that subway had been in Minnesota, there's a 50-50 chance. See, Minnesota nice is kind of a sarcastic thing. Uh, we, we, instead of co- confronting people, we'll say things like, well, that's interesting. And, uh, and that actually means that, you know, y- your grandson's gay. That's, that makes me uncomfortable, but I'm just going to say that's interesting. And, uh, and so we may have, instead of going to get your hat, we may have just told you what a nice hat it was and told you how sorry they were, how we were that you dropped it and that it was gone. <laughs> Gotcha. And that would have been nice of us. Yeah. In in the grand scheme of things. But it's not uh, like uh, self-sacrificing Good Samaritan nice. Hmm. I am. Like, I, I honestly think I would go get someone's hat out of the subway just because if they can't do it, why, why shouldn't somebody? But I'm, I'm not, I don't fit in so well in Minnesota. Right. You're different. You're not really a Minnesota guy, but you are like a Portland, Maine guy. Yeah, I think so. I'm, I'm a Portland, Oregon guy, but... I think I'd be overall like lifestyle happier on the East Coast in general. Yeah, East Coast, which is, is weird because I love like the Bay Area in California. Yeah, where I will actually be this uh, this week. So I'm going to be in San Francisco for two days, and then um, two and a half days, and then I will be in um, Portland for like four days. Well, we'll talk about why you're going we to will. San Francisco in a second. Then we will, but yeah, but let's let's finish talking about uh about your trip. So, um, I see on our, our little show list thing that you have, um, some highlights. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the first one is the Airbnb house. Okay. How we, is that? We, it was my first time using Airbnb. Okay. And so we paged through the, you know, area listings looking for something that was not a shared apartment, but not terribly expensive. Right. And we found this entire colonial house. Uh, relatively cheap. I don't remember the exact price, but it was like hundred bucks a night. And, uh, That's pretty and cheap. so it was really cheap and I'll tell you why we got there and it was a for sale home that had like a couple chairs and, uh, two beds and, uh, and the kitchen was pretty well, like as far as silverware and everything goes. Other than that, it was just a big empty house that we had no use for. And, uh, and it's all colonial. There's no Wi-Fi, no cable, and no <laughs> cell phone reception. Oh my god! So it was, it was rustic. It, but I didn't take my laptop on this trip. Right, and we talked and about that. We'd said that you were not going to do the whole no tech thing, but you weren't taking your laptop. So spending our first two nights in a place that had no internet, even like I couldn't even use my phone or my iPad, that helped me adjust to the idea of limited computing possibilities yeah we drank wine and talked and <laughs> charged our electronics so that we'd have them when we could use them that was <laughs> that was our evenings but yeah. that also made us get out and go like get good food at the local eateries and explore a little bit more no totally nice that is nice that is nice the only downside of course is like in this day and age, you know, if you don't, if it didn't have like a TV or, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that they didn't since they didn't even have Wi-Fi. Nope. There's not a way to watch videos unless you'd already downloaded them to your iPad, you know. Right. Right. Which, again, makes you just leave the house. Right. 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 I'm just saying for vacation, like that's one of the nice things on vacation is like, oh, I can, you know, enjoy all these movies or whatever. And it's like, oh, wait, Netflix doesn't work. Oh, wait. You know, we um, did download uh, Amy Poehler's new book prior so we oh, had nice. audio entertainment oh that's good that's good um and so in in these ventures out we uh we tried lobster a lot because that seems to be the thing everyone tells you to do is like crab cakes and lobster yep and it turns out i like crab cakes i'm actually a really big fan of scallops but i do not care enough about lobster to pay the price you pay in that area that's really interesting because I, I I'm not a big crab person, but I love scallops and and I like lobster. But that's I interesting. had the lobster roll you were telling me about. Yeah, we went to the Lobster Shack, which is supposed to be the place to get a lobster roll. It's somewhere in Maine. I don't even know. It was a long drive, and then we stood in line. 
like there's this little shack and then there's a line that wraps around <laughs> it. And, uh, we, we waited and we paid $18 for a uh, lobster roll. Yep. And I was thoroughly unimpressed. I'm and sorry. part of it was like, I, I just spent $18. It better, you know, have unicorn in it or something, but definitely it didn't. And it was cold and it was, I don't know. It was tasty. It, it, it didn't, it wasn't bad. For, if I paid you know a buck twenty five for it, I mean, yeah, this was tasty. <laughs> but the idea of having spent almost twenty dollars tainted my expectations to a point where I actually didn't like it. Well, I'm sorry I suggested the lobster roll, and I'm sorry that it, but uh... it wasn't just you. No, three other people had told us we had to go to this exact spot and have that exact dish. You you are not to blame. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting um, how his how lobster prices have gone up so much because like historically, like back you know fifty, sixty years ago, that was like the cheap meat that they would feed people. Cheaper than crab? Oh yeah, it was like it was like considered like 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 the like the cheap meat. You know that like I mean, people growing up kind of in in, in like the main area, you know, would like eat a lot of because it was like not high quality or or something. <laughs> like it wasn't seen as like this delicacy. It wasn't seen as like this thing that you could get ridiculous prices for has supply changed a little bit but i think that it also is just has become this more high you know it's just become um perceived as like higher quality i don't know uh perception yeah perception of value the brand has the brand has improved tremendously which unfortunately has made it (laughs) lots more expensive is there a lobster lobby probably like a fisherman's lobby uh there probably is there there probably is there is a friend of mine's ex-boyfriend owns Luke's Lobsters in um, New York, um, uh, which is, uh, he's Luke. And uh, I know that, that he would have to go and spend a lot of time in Maine, because that's where he sourced all of his lobster, and spend, you know, a significant amount of time there you know, during parts of the year to, to get everything, you know, A-OK. Um, and, like, but like his place is, is I mean, he's, he's got, you know, restaurants and then food trucks and stuff, too. Um like Tom Brokaw um, name checked his place once uh, after Nora Ephron died. He was like sharing memories about her in uh, on some morning show, and ended up name checking Luke's uh, lobster place because apparently Nora had discovered it before Tom even had or something like that. And um, he, he was like sharing it as like a anecdote of how she was always up and up to date on the latest uh, hot spots. And what's I, weird what's weird with restaurants is if that happens one time and it has like a viral effect and like people start showing up that's good forever yeah like suddenly you become iconic in any other industry that's good for like a week of right. good business but in restaurants somehow once you're name checked once once you become a like local hotspot for a week right you you are you can put that on your sign you and totally you are officially can. the hotspot. You're officially the hotspot. You got that that that. Despite like rating. a bunch of two star Yelp reviews, it oh, just yeah. doesn't matter doesn't anymore. Doesn't matter. You're like, dude, we were the hotspot. <laughs> oh, random. Did you see uh, only in Monroe? No. Uh, Stephen Colbert took over a local access station. In oh yes, Michigan. yes, 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 yes. I did. Yes, that was great. Oh my god, that was brilliant. That was so good. Yes, I did see that. That was so good. That was amazing. <laughs> My favorite part, the part that stuck with me was the local commercials that yes. they still ran in between. Which was genius. We're an authentic downtown. Yes, that was fun. I'll have to link that if anyone hasn't seen it. It's a good uh, expenditure of 40 minutes in preparation really for the, the new show. The first new show, which I can't wait for. I'm so excited. Isn't that this week? It is. Awesome. I have a friend who, who's, who went to a taping already. Oh, that's great. Yeah, no, I I'm, I think I'm going to go. I, I think I have tickets for, for sometime in October. Um, nice. But yeah, no, I, I'm I'm super, uh, I, I can't wait. I'm, I'm such a big fan of his, and, and he's going to kick ass. I know it. He's just going to, it's really going to kick ass. Did you read the GQ interview? I did. Yeah, I think, I think I like that he is uncertain. Yeah. About what he's going to do, but I have every faith that no matter he's what he the does, consummate showman. Exactly. I really hope that, like, I, I hope that Steve Carell just becomes just kind of like a regular, like, I would be happy if Steve Carell just had like a permanent seat there just whenever he wants to show up. Nice. Yeah. You know? That would be good. That would be and good. He could be the, he could be the, 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 
what do you call the guy that stands off on the side? The Andy Richter of the show? Yeah, he could be. That's what I was thinking. I was like, he'd just be great to just be there, just like whenever. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, but he's obviously a bigger name than Andy Richter, but he could just be like, you know, I just figure like anytime people ever wants to be there, I figured it'd be great just because the two of them have such great chemistry. Yeah. I would well, love and, to see them together. In, in Conan's heyday, Andy Richter was big. Oh, Everyone yeah, he definitely Andy was. Richter I mean, was. he got his own show because of that. Yeah. I don't know how well that went. No. I mean, and and let's not forget, I mean, you know, Amy Poehler, I think the first time I probably ever saw her on TV was when she played Andy's little sister. I don't even remember that. Yeah. I didn't remember that it was her until years later. And I was like, oh, that's why she seemed familiar. Okay. Yeah, that happens to me a lot. Okay, so last travel point was... Yes. Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport has recently redone the bathrooms in Concourse F. Okay. They, when they did Concourse G waiting areas, they blew me away because they, they you know how there's long rows of seats all connected to each other in most concourses? Yes. Or like when, when you're at the terminal? Yes. Um, and you have to like find a seat where you don't have to stare at someone or have children right behind you and it's often difficult. Yes. They redid Concourse G so that it's booth seating. Yeah, we have that um, at um, in, in, in certain terminals at JFK and LaGuardia. It's so nice, and it's each so nice. booth has like a, an outlet and USB yep. ports, and just and, have a, a, and an, an optional, li- yeah, an iPad you can use if you want to. That's so good. But then they redid the bathrooms in F, and I didn't know this, and I stumbled into one. I had to go to the bathroom so bad after a flight, and I looked to the left, and there were the old bathrooms still functioning. Then I looked to the right, and there were the new bathrooms, and I thought, hey, I haven't seen those before, so I went in, and everything about the design and the architecture of the bathroom immediately struck me as brilliant. Like, you know how uh, the common thing with airport bathrooms is that kind of circular entrance now, so you don't have to touch a door? Right. But that always leads to really awkward collisions with people dragging big bags behind them going through this circled tunnel. Because, you know, there's no, like, left-right side. It's kind of <laughs> it's kind of one way. Sure. But people don't go the right way. So that never really works out. This, this had the same concept. No door, open architecture, but angular. And you could clearly see the way it was laid out. You could clearly see people coming around the corner in front of you. And then you get in, and the sinks are grouped in threes with a, a hand dryer and... Uh, a changing table with each set. And then when you put your hands in the sink, the water actually runs with no like waving or fiddling. Oh, that's the soap nice. dispenser works immediately. The water does not stop until you pull your hands out. Nice. I've never had that work before. No, because usually the, it only does it for like three or four seconds and you've right. got to continue waving. Yeah, you know, it's like spurts. Yeah. And then I went into a stall and I closed the door and was shocked because the door has no gaps on either side of it you know like when you sit in a stall in any airport bathroom except i was in one in o'hare that was like this uh but you you can always see people passing by outside your stall it's very disruptive to the the process um Uh, yes but this it was deep and then the hooks for hanging your backpack are by the toilet instead of on the back of the door nice the space the wall alongside the toilet is all the way down to the ground, tiled all the way down to the ground. So if you drop change when you drop your pants, it doesn't roll into the stall next to you. There are four extra dispensers for storing extra toilet paper. And everything is designed so that when you reach for something, it's where you want it to be. There's cubbies in the wall that you can set things in while you're using the bathroom. Everything about this was awesome. I loved it. That's amazing. That genuinely the sounds only, like a fantastic like public bathroom experience. That's that, that's how that that should be I'm like the model blog for all about bathrooms. It. I agree. The only thing it was missing at O'Hare, there's one bathroom, at least one, that automatically puts the like tissue toilet seat down for you. Yes. It like it, it's on like a circular pulley thing. Right. So when you when you sit down, it just moves out a clean one. So you don't. Because that's a pain, and then the one time you decide not to do it, you get, like, a rash for a week. Right. I hate that. Um, But, yeah, like, if they added that, this would be actually, like, this is more fun than going to the bathroom at home. Right. (laughs) It's a really well-done experience. 
It's like so the that, Apple that store was impressive. Bathrooms. Impressive to the point where I can't stop talking about it now. <laughs> I love a bath, that. A bathroom okay, so that does that is amazing. Were the women's rooms like that too, do you know? Aditi said yes, but she didn't appreciate it the way I did. <laughs> she, I, she, I guess she ran into some things that annoyed her. And maybe there's, you know, special considerations that need to be taken for gender differences. I don't know for sure. I didn't like, I didn't drill her on the details of her side of the bathroom. But, uh, but yeah, they had redone both. And so if you're in Concourse F at MSP, make sure you choose the one that looks all bright, shiny and gold instead of blue and dingy on the outside. You can tell pretty quickly. Fantastic. Yeah. Good tip. Oh, and the toilet, the auto flush, when you walk into a stall, it flushes. So if anyone behind you had failed to right. clean up, it's, it's, it's clear for you. And then it waits for 10 to 15 seconds after you stand up before it flushes. I could not get it to false trigger. Like, you know, sometimes you lean forward yes, and it flushes underneath you and you get backsplash and that really pisses me off. This didn't do that. You couldn't make it do that. It was That's a really nice. good sensor. Okay, I'm done now. I'm going to write this up in a blog post. No, you should. You should talk about like the design of like the perfect bathroom. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, because yeah, then you start getting ideas. You're like, what if it... What if there was a bidet that was part of the... No. I was actually thinking that. I was like, that would be maybe the only thing that would be better. Although a bidet for a public restroom probably wouldn't exactly. make a ton of sense. Like, there's differences of... Yeah, but yeah. And and there's something sketchy about letting a bathroom put things onto you instead of you putting there things is, into it. That, that there 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 is just that's a home thing, like, really. <laughs> I remember before they became like overrun by homeless people. I was in one of those, um, you know, the portable bathrooms they have on the streets in San Francisco. Yeah, I went into one in like 2000, and it was like so nice and like clean and like it was amazing, right? Like. It was, like, amazing. Like, you go inside, like, it cleans itself after every, you know, person goes in. It, like, you know, washes the whole thing down. And did you think to yourself at that point, this would be a really nice house for a homeless person? <laughs> or, this will be a really nice place for a sex worker to, uh... Because <laughs> that's what they do. That's what they do. It's not... The, the, fa- the bad thing is the homeless people don't yes. even get a chance to use it. It's the sex workers. Because people are getting handies outside the BART station. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what that's it is. Great. So then the regular people have to use the... You know, that's why there's gross stuff on the ground in front of the BART station. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the bathrooms are well designed. The concept may have been a little bit flawed. <laughs> I, I, I think the concept was good if you're not in a place where there's not a huge incentive for people when there's like not not a huge incentive for the homeless population to go away <laughs> yes san francisco and and homeless people is that that's a, a conundrum to me it is and i i, I don't have any solutions for it um so i'm not gonna talk about it except to say it's it's definitely a problem um as someone who doesn't even live there but visits there a couple of times a year well um, and it's, it's a problem for everyone including the homeless people yes it was a huge problem for them absolutely absolutely yeah I think what I think what people in any city need to realize about uh, spare changers, panhandlers, is that they all have better options. Yeah. And giving them money is only encouraging more people to ask you for money on the street. And it sounds cold hearted and cruel, but those people are basically scamming. A lot of them are. I mean, there's a point where I was on. I would take this one train route and I would see the same kind of crazy homeless guy every single time I would get on that train. Asking the same thing, can I just get five dollars? Can I please get five fucking dollars so I can take the train home? I need to take the train, you know, I need to get a bus home. <laughs> da, 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 da. And I saw this guy like three or four times to the point because he had a distinctive kind of yelling style. And I saw him a number of times and I was like, yeah, clearly you're having a hard time getting home yeah. because you've been here for like two weeks. Yeah. Um, you know, but, but when you start, I mean, that, that's the bad thing. Like when you start to recognize like the same person over and over again. I would see that in Atlanta all the time. There'd be people who for years, it was like their normal slot. And, and I would get annoyed when like, there'd be people who'd be like on their cell phone, like banging a money bat, like banging like a money <laughs> thing. And, and, and this was like before everybody had cell phones. And I'm like, really, really? No, like you're, 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 you're going to like, you're going to be on your, you're going to be yelling on your cell phone while like banging, like, you know, a thing full of money. And I'm not, again, not trying to be cruel, but it's like, well, yeah, like, well, there like, was a point in my life where I spare changed, 
you know, I was I was stealing, I was uh, conning, and I was spare changing out on the street. And I can guarantee you that at that point in Minneapolis, seventy percent of the people spare changing had homes and and drug habits, and they were just looking for a way to pick up a few bucks, you know, get a twenty before dark without having to actually get a job. And those are people you don't necessarily want to be handing money to. No, absolutely. I mean, and how I always know is I'll volunteer. Somebody will ask, oh, can I get something to eat? And I'll be like, can I get some money to get something to eat? And I'll be like, well, what do you want? I'll buy it for you. Yeah. And they'll be like, and they never want that. And they're like, oh, never mind. You, and you can even offer to buy them a beer and they don't want that. That's how you, that's how you know it's not just alcoholics out no, there. No, totally, totally. I mean, but it's like like inside the McDonald's, I remember one time some guy was like, I just want something to eat. I was like, what do you want? I'll buy it for you. And, I gave a guy my leftover. I'm sorry, go ahead. And, and I remember one time I, I got a guy something, and then I saw him, like, throw it away. And I was like, okay, yep. that's I gave a guy my nice. leftovers on the way out of a, a San Francisco restaurant. I just handed him my box, uh, my, uh, like, leftover takeout box. And I walked back again about... Uh, maybe eight minutes later, because I had gone the wrong direction, and he had thrown the box away unopened. That's frustrating. It is. It is. But and that's that's when you start to realize there's nobody nobody on the street asking you for money that actually doesn't have a better way to do it. Right. Yeah. Anyway, that's a whole like socioeconomic uh, and and government expenditure discussion that we won't have right now. No, we'll, but, uh, we'll, we'll save that for our political podcast coming soon. Overly yeah, political. Our, our, our tinfoil uh, Brett rants about uh, things that he doesn't fully understand thing. <laughs> I think that's a category in, oh my god, okay. We're going to talk about Inside Out because it was amazing. We'll get to yes, that in a was, minute. We'll get to that in a minute. But so there good. was one kind of throwaway line where they're looking at all the facts and opinions. And they like they all look so similar. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that it was one of those lines that meant nothing to children, but adults over twenty five would would or anyone on the internet these days. Yeah, yeah, def- anyway, definitely. It was so good. Why are, why are you in San Francisco next or this week? This is week. it this week? Yeah, yeah. I, le- I leave tomorrow um, because Apple is holding a huge ass event. It's the na- it's the um, annual iPhone event. Is that what it says on the banners? Huge ass event. Uh, huge ass Apple event is what it says. Yeah, that's the technical term. Hmm. That doesn't make a very good uh, initialism either. H- it Hua, doesn't. Hua. Hua. Yeah. No. Uh, no. So I'm gonna be I'm gonna be in San Francisco for the Apple event. So I will I fly in on Tuesday night, and then it's thurs- it's Wednesday morning, and then I'm staying through um, like Thursday afternoon. We have another meeting on Thursday, and then um, I'm going directly from San Francisco to Portland for XOXO. And that's a gamer thing, right? No, XOXO is like, it's like a tech art, um, indie kind of web kind of festival. It's kind of like what... So it's a South By... It's what South By was like before South By became South By. (laughs) Before South By became like uh, Lollapalooza. Yeah, basically. Uh, um, Andy Bow um, and Andy, uh, I can't think of the other name, um, does it. Um, So uh, it's cool. I've seen some great talks, like videos from XOXO, but they've always been somehow uh, game industry related. So I just made that assumption. Yeah, no, no, it's not. I mean, like like John Gruber spoke last year and Kevin Kelly. And uh, no, it's it's a really great conference. I had an amazing time last year. Um, Merlin's going to be there. Um, Jason Snell, a bunch of podcasters. We're going to have a meetup um, on Friday in Portland. Yeah, uh, Panic always does an open house, so um, they um, have a big party in their offices, which is amazing. Um, it's oh, I'm cool. jealous. I wasn't jealous before this podcast started, but... It's a really great time. It's a really, really <sighs> great time. It's totally your, your type of people, and so uh, it's, it's, it's cool stuff. I miss WWDC this year, so I'm already feeling left out. Now I feel double left out. Yeah, and there's not going to be a singleton this year, so this is like, yeah, this is, this is going to be a great time to just see people and... Um, I, I do this personally, not, uh, for work. I mean, it's kind of a, I mean, I get something out of it, but it's not like, like I pay my own money and I go on my own, um, and take days off of work uh, to do XOXO. And, um, it's awesome. I mean, it's just a lot of indie people, a lot of maker people just, it's, 
I don't know. I, I really, really enjoyed it last year. And so I will have to go this next time. Yeah, you're definitely gonna have to because it's it's a really, really, really amazing um, conference. Um, that sounds like exactly why I go to WWDC, but with a broader scope. That's exactly what it is. And like, even if you don't go to the conference part, like because they yeah. th- that's expensive, they have um, like the festival part, which um, like so different nights, they have different themes, like they have like a music night and a game night and a film night, like a film festival night and like a you know, um, story night and like a, like just all kinds of stuff that for, for awesome. people to do. So like the conference is just on, um, Saturday and Sunday, but the whole thing basically kicks off like Thursday night. Um, I'm getting in late Thursday night and then it'll be, there'll be, you know, stuff going on, you know, Friday through, um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then I, I come back on, um, Monday morning. Good times. Yeah. So, but yeah, but back to Apple, um, that's why I, w- I will be in San Francisco it's going to be the big iPhone event, you know, new iPhone, um, maybe new iPad, definitely new Apple TV. I'm excited. Yeah. I, my, I, the only thing that nags my brain is that there's going to be a new Apple TV remote and I'll have to yes. redesign the shuttle. But other than that, I'm very excited. I think the Apple TV excites me more than any of the other ones. Yes. Because it's, it's has the potential to become such a central hub. It does. But right now, it's, it's such a failure at that. It is. Well, because it's, it's, it hasn't been updated in three and a half years. Right. And there's no universal search. There's, I mean, and that would make all the difference. And then you throw in, like, HomeKit API to it. Yep. And let it actually be, like, more than just a venue for Netflix and Hulu. Yeah, And no, HBO it, and Showtime. Plus, you have, well, you know, Siri integration, which will really yes. add a lot. It'll, it'll obsolete the Echo for Apple owners. Yeah, although I love my Echo. I mean, I think the Echo is oh, just, Everyone seems to. What I use my Echo for and what I don't think I would, because it's got a speaker built in, is something that I wouldn't really be able to do with an Apple TV. The Echo is like the best Bluetooth speaker I've ever had. Really? Yeah. Interesting. It's like an amazing Bluetooth speaker. That's cool. See, the other thing that I've been talking about with people is, and I don't expect it to, to show up on Tuesday or what, Thursday. Um, Wednesday. But uh, what, what day is it now? Wednesday. No, now. Today so is... Today is Monday. Oh. Uh, happy Labor Day. Happy Labor Day. Or is it Memorial Day? No, I it's Labor Day. Oh, Labor. I have so much white to get out of my system right now. Just kidding. <laughs> I don't own any white clothes. Um, uh, the, the thing that would be awesome is an API for Siri to let developers Agreed. add their own Siri commands. Agreed. That would be insane. That would be and amazing. And you add that to an Apple TV? Oh, my God. Yeah. That so so cool. I'm excited about what steps they'll take in that direction. Yeah, no, they're definitely opening stuff up with iOS 9, but not that much, you know. Um, but they're definitely doing things in iOS 9 to allow things with Siri and Spotlight to have to let people build their apps into yes. the, the Spotlight searches more, which is great. And I think if yeah, you could I'm beta it- testing. I'm beta testing a couple that are using deep link searching in yep. Spotlight right now. And like it, it is so good. It's really good. And I really like how they're handling it. Um, yes. I, like I, it, it balances the line between like not making it cluttered and also providing the functionality. Up until now, I had only ever really used iOS Spotlight for launching applications that I forgot what folder I put them in. Same. And suddenly, it's actually good for going straight to a document in any application or looking up information I stored in like, well, I can't talk about, I'm not supposed to mention any of the apps I'm beta testing right now. But it's, yeah, it makes Spotlight useful beyond just an app launcher for me. Yeah, no, same. And, um, I mean, I've used it a little bit for document search, but not a huge amount, mostly for, like, emails. But now, like, I can obviously get way more into it. And, and that also is helped by the fact that there's now finally a freaking, you know, like, iCloud Drive, like, app. <laughs> there's finally a freaking file manager. It only took them eight years. At some point, we have to see, like, uh, an improved, how was it? Oh, mail search. Yeah. I, d- I don't, I don't, it, the, the iOS 9 beta, uh, Goldmaster, is not, uh, it has not improved that for me. I still go to the Gmail app to find, e- old, to find older emails. Right. Mail search is great for, like, your last 50 emails. Oh, it but... is. I think it's just because of the amount, however much it, it caches, you know? Like, for right. me, it only caches, like, maybe, like, a gig of mail, which is a ton, and I kind of wish it, frankly, wouldn't cache that much on my iPad, especially. I'm like, <laughs> don't take up a gig of space on my iPad with my email. But, you know, Gmail can obviously look through the whole IMAP history. 
Uh, yeah, and they can do it server side. So it, that's that what I'm make saying. A huge difference. That makes a huge difference. Whereas you know, on on other you know iPhone, it's got to do it locally. So you do expect to see a new iPhone though? Yes. You know, it'll be the 6S and the 6S Plus. Um, they're going to do, from what we understand, it'll be, I mean, obviously this is all rumors and, and a lot of it comes from Mark Gurman, um, uh, candidly. Um, and some of his stuff is accurate, some of it's not. It was really funny how with his Apple TV stuff, he's clear on some of the stuff, he wasn't clear on others. And clearly one of the things that was not completely accurate was the price, because when he started reporting $500, the very first, or not $500, $200, the very first thing that happened was that John uh, Pikowski or whatever, however you say his last name, from BuzzFeed, formerly of um, All Things D, and then um, uh, Recode, uh, reported that it was going to be starting at one forty nine ninety nine, And that is what you call a controlled leak. So what happens in that case is that Apple called him yeah. and said, this is how much it's really going to, it's going to be starting at this. This is information we're giving you, you know, on background, off the record, whatever, that you can go with. And, and this is an exclusive you can, you can go live with. Um, whereas, you know, German's source was was not, you know, sanctioned to talk to him. It was just, you know, people are still trying to figure things out. Um, so, you know, so some of his stuff is accurate, some of it's not. But I think a lot of the details are pretty much finalized at this point. It'll be a better camera, as always, force touch, um, which will add some new um, ways for people to, to you know, press and, and, and interact with the iPhone and, and maybe access some different things. I like it on the MacBook. I, I, um, I also like it on my Apple Watch. So I think that... Yeah done Same. the right way i think will be really good on um on, on the iphone and then um you know just faster processor and um possibly more ram um i think that it's about time for them to do more ram so um you know that'll be kind of the the you know it'll be it'll be the, the it's the talk release it's going to look the same but it's going to have new features and uh i mean i think that'll that's fine um the iPhone 6 and the uh, the 6 Plus have been humongous successes for Apple, probably their most successful iPhones ever. I think if you look at them by the numbers, they've sold more of those than any other iPhone um, by a, a pretty big margin. And, and that's in a time when phones are more saturated than ever, so that's actually really impressive. And uh, I think that um, this will be great for people who are you know, on the, the 5S or the 5 upgrade cycle, you know, who haven't upgraded yet. Yeah, see, I'm on the 6 Plus, and... Force touch might be enough to make me yeah. take advantage of my Verizon Edge plan. I was going to say, if, if you, that's the great thing now. It's this weird thing that Apple is in where, like, cell phone contracts in the U.S. are going away. And on the one hand, that sucks because you can't get the subsidized price anymore. But on the other hand, it's good because if you are on one of those Edge plans already, you're already paying. Just, just you know, just do it. Just You're going to pay this. Just trade it in. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that makes uh, the... I used to always get depressed about the the prospect of a new iPhone because I was never very good at, and I'm still not very good at timing my purchases. Right. So like I'd buy it when when the price dropped, knowing that a month later it was going to be more or less obsoleted. But uh, no, but totally. I still do it. So this is good. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting because I already got an email from Verizon saying, oh, as you know, one of your valued customers, even though I'm not part of the Edge program, I can go ahead and trade in my phone and get the new one when it comes out. Obviously, nice. I'm not going to trade in my six because um, I'll give that to Grant. But I believe because the, <laughs> I, but I think I, that means I can trade in my 5s, which is what Grant's on. Nice, which makes it even better. Yeah, couples edge plan. Couples edge plan. Yeah, exactly. I mean, because you know he he gets my hand me downs. How it works. Yes, I'm I'm in a sim similar relationship, except this time it didn't it didn't happen. Aditi got a six because she didn't want the six plus, and I got the six plus because I needed to be able to test apps on both. Right. Even though I don't, uh, in reality, get to use her phone. Right. If just I get to a point where I, right. if I really need to, I can have her test it. Right. Uh, but yeah, it used to be she always had my last gen. I guess things have changed. She does have my last MacBook Air, though. And honestly, I replaced the MacBook Air with a uh, Retina MVP. Yeah. And I miss my Air. I love the, I, I love the MacBook Pro. Yeah. Like uh, for all the reasons that I chose to go with it, I love it. But when I'm toting it around or using it on the couch, I miss the air. Yeah, there's something about the air that is just a great size. Or using it on an airplane. Yeah. I mean, that's why the new MacBook is so great. Yes. It's, it's and, just not and, powerful enough. 
I'm very much looking forward to the new MacBook because I think it's just powerful enough for my needs. Oh, for for regular needs, I mean, like it's perfect. Like it's just it's it's like the perfect like secondary computer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, any other Apple predictions you have? Um, I mean, the big thing is whether or not they're going to announce the iPad um, Pro. And I was somebody who was not believing they were going to do that until they showed off the um, app, you know, multi multi app thing and um, the, the multitasking. Yeah, the multitasking mode. 9. Once yeah. they showed that off the dual mode, I was like, oh, this screams for a bigger iPad. See, and like for me, the iPhone six plus for a long time obsoleted my need for an iPad. Yeah. I actually, it had lost charge and I didn't charge it for months. Then uh, just very recently I started, I got a good external keyboard for my Apple TV and that keyboard had a switcher. I think we talked about this one. Yeah, it's a lot of check one, do, right? Yeah, and you could do, you could attach three different devices to it. Yes. So I hooked my iPad up to it and ended up loving working on my iPad for things like writing as long iOS 9 made the difference there. Definitely. Being able to uh, run a web browser, split screen, things like that, I suddenly see a, a, a new potential for actually working on an iPad. and set, it could be Because for media consumption, the 6 Plus is great for me. Yeah, yeah, the 6 Plus is a great size for that. I can read on it even. Oh, totally. Like, I could never read on the smaller iPhones. I always wanted the iPad then. The 6 Plus, it... it, it, it it works. No, the six plus is really good for that. I mean, I I don't do the six plus because it's just too big for me. Um, it's too big to put in my pants, really. But that's uh, but the size is is you're right. It's really good. What's going to be interesting is that I can see the bigger iPad becoming kind of a toss up for some people. Do I get the new MacBook or do I get the iPad Pro? Right. Which see, I had this after what I my experience. I thought maybe Apple will kind of hybrid hybridize yeah the iphone and ipad lines but it didn't you know like you can't make an iphone if you made an iphone as big as an ipad mini you wouldn't sell any phones no and if you made an ipad as small as an iphone 6 plus yeah you wouldn't sell so they do still need two separate lines but uh but that you're right the issue then will be that the ipad could cannibalize the lower end like or the consumer level mac lines Definitely. I mean, which I, which is kind of what Microsoft. I mean, it's it's interesting because they're kind of taking a similar approach to Microsoft with the Surface Pro um, three, and I guess the upcoming Surface Pro four. And that what's interesting about those tablets is that they don't really try to be tablets; they try to be just great laptops, and they are. They're really terrific laptops. But it's interesting because now it's like Apple is kind of going into that hybrid area a little bit, even if they're not merging the OS. They're kind of creating a device that sits between both categories um, right. a lot more um, effortlessly than I guess it did before. So um, this is a question that I should know the answer to, but do you see uh, El Capitan and iOS 9 being officially put out on Wednesday? I don't think so. I think there'll be another month on El Capitan, um, although maybe they'll surprise us. And I think if I looked back last year, they waited about a week. You know, they usually it was about yeah. iOS nine comes out about two days before the new iPhones come out. Mm -hmm. it, it's how it's historically worked. So I would not, ex I would expect the gold master to be out you know, yeah. for developers, but I wouldn't expect it to roll out to the update servers until next week. I just need two more weeks on El Capitan before my apps are ready. Yeah. Or um, they're ready. <laughs> Before my apps are polished and submitted, I should right. say. I mean, I think El Capitan, I think we've got probably until, like, later October. September. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. I mean, that's All just, right. just, that's just, that's just my, my, my prediction based on past years, but who knows? Yes. There's a, a resource available through... It might have actually been Mac Rumors that did it, but there's a buying guide. Yeah. That compiles historical data like that. Yes, yeah, to Mac tell rumors. you when the you to tell you when the best time to buy something is. Yeah, I love that. That's such a great resource. It is really well done, and that is that is data that's readily available, but no one's ever seemed to put it all together. No, like they've that been doing before. it for years, and and you know it used to be more useful when there were more than one you know or maximum yeah, two Mac updates lines. in a year. Yeah. But at this point, you know you're lucky if you get for certain products if you get one Mac update a year. Um, right. But in the past, you know you would get two, sometimes three. 
And so it was always a really good time to know, okay, this is when, when you want to buy something, you know? Yeah. I remember even with buying my, my, my black MacBook, like buying that like right at the perfect time. Um, and then still being upset because like a month and a half, like two months later, like a, a better <laughs> version came out. But for me, it was still like for the back to school thing it was the perfect time. Like, it, you know, so it was, you know, but using that guide, like to kind of figure out, okay, when do I, when can I go ahead and, you know, get this done? I'm always very patient. If I buy something and then it's, it's replaced too soon, I'm very patient until one of my must have software packages add support for something I can't use. Same. Like force touch, for example. Right. And then I'm like, God damn it. Why? Yes. Then I have to go buy a new computer because like better touch tool has always been on the, with input stuff. Yeah. Always on the cutting edge. and So uh, on the cutting edge. So as soon as he added force touch gestures you to the like, control options. You were like, you are like, time for a new MacBook. Seriously considering it, because that happened about the same week I bought my MacBook Pro. And it was, that was, it weighs on me every time I use better touch tool. But Yeah, but that close, I probably would have returned it and like exchanged it. I'm very stubborn. Because I took a long time to decide to buy it to begin with. Right. And, and it, you know, there's a huge difference between uh, processor and RAM and expandability of the MacBook Pro versus the MacBook. So I kind of feel like I should have both. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, good, yeah. plus you can get the MacBook in gold. Right, and, and I can write it off on taxes, so. That's true. This episode of Overtired is brought to you with limited commercial interruption by SaneBox and Casper. If your email is driving you up a wall, go to SaneBox.com slash ESN to learn how they can provide you with a service that will make you enjoy email again. You'll get $25 off your new account when you sign up using that link. There's no credit card required for the two-week free trial. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. Why pay more on your end for a mattress you bought in a showroom under harsh fluorescent lighting? Casper gives you a 100-night guarantee so you can try their mattress out in your own home for over three months. Brett's had his well longer than that and he's never going back. Casper mattresses are obsessively engineered and range from only $500 for a twin to $950 for a king. You spend a third of your life sleeping. Well, ideally, you spend a third of your life getting a good night's rest. Casper can help. Get $50 toward any Casper mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash overtired and using our promo code OVERTIRED. Terms and conditions apply. So let's get into Inside Out. Yes, let's. Let's get Inside Out. I just saw it. I, 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 didn't, I didn't realize until I was in the first 15 minutes of it that I should have watched it a long time ago. I, I, tried, I think I even told you how great it was, but maybe I didn't. It's one of the best movies I've seen all year. It, 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 that could span multiple years, in my opinion. I mean, it's it was one of Pixar's so best. well written. It was so well written and so well, quote unquote, acted that I almost forgot to appreciate how amazing the graphics were. Yeah, I would agree. It was one of those things where the graphics were great, but the voice acting and the writing were so good. And it's, you know, Pete Doctor, who also did um, Up, and uh, it's so good. Well, and in the first five minutes before they really started getting technical, I leaned over to Aditi and I said, this is actually really accurate to brain science. Yeah. And like the emotions versus reason versus memory storage things, all, all of this they were hinting at. And I was like, wow, they're, they're really doing this. And then about half an hour in, you, you realize this is essentially a textbook. Yes, it is. About like neural networks and, and memory storage and... They really, it was well-researched. It was, and there were all these things that if you knew a little bit, if you knew enough to be dangerous, you could start getting references they made but didn't elaborate on. Uh, it was just, uh, I was blown away repeatedly. through The whole thing, just constant points of intellectual pleasure for me because they, they made the, the imaginary friend. Yeah. That was the part I cried uh, oh, when completely. he sacrificed himself. That Richard was Kind's. that was when the tear actually rolled down my face. Oh, totally, totally. Uh, <laughs> and I, then I, I I cried laughing in the the credits at the yes. end. But yeah, no, it was um, great. It, no. But the imaginary friend was a pink elephant. I mean, if you if you looked at the character, it was a <laughs> yeah, pink elephant, which is commonly used to represent alcoholism. Oh, and, that's true. 
And then you start looking into like uh, some early Freudian stuff and then uh, more modern psychological evaluations of what causes addiction in early development. And you start realizing that there is a connection between the escapist imaginary friend you have in a child and not reaching a developmental point where you let go of that uh, escape. And that's something they didn't, it didn't happen in the story. They didn't go into it, but I have to believe that was an intentional decision. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, so it was, I saw it at a cinema con in, in Vegas and, and it was, I think one of the first times it was ever screened and I, and, and I saw it with, you know, a bunch of exhibitors and a bunch of distributors and another film people and bloggers. And at the end of us, I think we all were crying. But we're also just had laughed so much and had just enjoyed the hell out of it. It was just, it what? makes you think so much because like you said, I mean, it is basically a textbook, but then, you know, you get so much out of it. And, and for me, as a girl, it reminded me so much of being a 13 year old girl or a 12 year old girl, you know, it like, works it, for boys too. It does. I, 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 I totally it related to it. Well, and that's the other thing I noticed is you could watch this as, you know, a six year old kid. Yep. And then watch it again as a uh, 13 to 15 year old tween slash teen. Then watch it again as an early parent and or uh, not. <laughs> and then watch it again as a, you know, 60, 70 year old uh, adult and see different movies every time. Totally. I mean, that's what was so impressive. I mean, that's and that's key Pixar, right, is being able to kind of make a movie that resonates for different people. But I think this is a unique one. You're right. And then if you watched it at different ages, you would get a different experience. I and, do think, though, that the ratio is more geared towards adults than Pixar I has agree. ever been before. I totally agree. And in fact, um, our entertainment editor, Josh Dickey, he wrote something about that. He was not convinced that kids would like it. He's obviously been proven incorrect because it's made like 700 and something million at the box office. Just enough slapstick to keep the yes. kids laughing, but every all the jokes were for parents they definitely and for were. older people. Which I think is great because I think that it's about time that the medium has kind of evolved to the point where you can make a mainstream animated film that is geared towards adults. Yeah, it's not. There's, it, animated doesn't have to mean kids' movie anymore. No, and it also doesn't have to be adult in like the Akira sense. It doesn't have to be like right. dark. Like you can have like, obscure manga. Exactly. It doesn't have to or be anime. Yeah. You can have like a mainstream animated film that is really for adults. Um, but but I think that you know teenagers too. I mean, I, I can. I would if I saw this when I was an eleven year old girl, I would have totally loved it. You know, a six year old, you know, will have aspects of it they like, but that's really going to be for the parents. But I think that it's yeah, it's the most adult movie ever, and it's so good. And we had to talk about the voice acting because the voice acting was just incredible. The second I realized they had cast Anger, uh, yeah. what's his name, Louis Black. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the second I realized Louis Black was the voice of Anger, I I, I was sold. The the casting and Mindy as disgust. Yeah, it was so perfect. It was it could amazing. Not have been more the casting alone, but then the acting. You're right, was just outstanding. I mean, Phyllis Smith, who she was Phyllis on The Office, oh, her yes, playing sadness. Yes. She was unbelievable. Well, and her she character so ended up being so pivotal. At first, yes. you're like, oh, that's just something that pops up no, once in a while. No, the character was so key to the whole thing. I mean, Amy Poehler, obviously, his joy was amazing. But 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 Phyllis, you know, sadness was really this humongously pivotal role. And, and, and the two of them together were just so good. Um, and, and just the whole thing. I mean, like, I, like, you know, you mentioned the imaginary friend before. That was Richard Kind, who I love. And he mm -hmm. was fantastic. I mean, just the whole thing was just so good. There were some voices that I had to look up immediately after the movie because they were so recognizable to me, but I couldn't place the actor. It was great to have Paula Poundstone again. Yes. <laughs> Dee was very excited when she started talking. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't know how I feel about associating live action faces with characters. It's almost better to me. I can't, see, I can't say that for certain because I didn't know faces for most of the voices I was hearing. Yeah. I don't know how that affects my absorption into that character, whether I'm applying all the normal and, and kind of stereotype personality characteristics of an actor to an animated 
But maybe that's the point. And maybe that's that why point. they I mean, cast what they did. I think they did because even like if you look at the drawing, you know, obviously, you know, like of of of, um, of sadness, you know, there were parts of kind of her <laughs> yeah. her, her her thing that looked like Phyllis Smith, you know, facial and expressions. Facial expressions. And, yeah. Same with same with Mindy Kaling and disgust and and, and mm-hmm. Louis Black and anger. And I think that made it. And then there were some things that you know there are pure voice actors who don't have that sort of thing. But for these, if you know the voice, you know the actor. I think that their personification is what makes it real i mean that's you saw that i mean finding nemo you know having both albert brooks as as you know um marlon and um you know ellen degeneres as dory like if if having ellen degeneres like be that forgetful character like made that character even better yeah you know um and 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 the same thing with with you know having you know um um there are a lot of films like that. I think that, that sometimes it can really, I mean, even like, you know, having, you know, Tom Hanks as, as Woody in the Toy Story films, yeah. it helps. I think See, but in Toy like, Story, I was able to disambiguate Woody from Tom Hanks. Oh, I don't totally. know why specifically. Yeah, I mean, I think that's true. But, but like, for instance, like, like Tim Allen is so clearly Buzz Lightyear. Right. But, but right. And that one I didn't disambiguate. I think it's because... Hanks has been such a diverse actor that's, that's that I point. don't have a specific stereotype a specific for his character. For but I think that for the ones where, like, you know who the person is, especially comedians, you know, or comedic actors, when they're doing yeah. these more serious roles and stuff, it really helps to kind of have their... Because they act... So much of their acting with their voice is also with their face. So being able to have the animators kind of capture that, I think, is excellent. Well, and, and that leads to a, a slightly related point. Uh, I saw it in a theater... That was primarily young children, like ages four to 12. Mm-hmm. And normally in any other movie, that would drive me nuts. But I feel like it really, it started, there was a preview before Inside Out for Transylvania 2. And they, all the characters jump onto a scooter and then the scooter can't move. You know, it, you just accept that as an adult. You're like, yes, clearly it wouldn't be able to move. But the kid in the back, who's probably, I would say, five or six he yells it's too heavy and from (laughs) and i laughed because i was you know i'm in a theater full of kids that you expect that it doesn't annoy me i laughed and then throughout the movie there were similar outbursts and and raucous laughter that because i have never had children and don't plan to i may have missed the 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 parts of the movie that were geared to to incite joy in young children and being able to see those, I'm sure like parents can see them, but I can't having, having the peanut gallery behind me actually like enhanced my understanding of the overall concepts. Yeah. So, that's really interesting. Cause I saw, if you, yeah, if you're a, if you're like a, if you're a single, like, or, or a, someone who never had kids and you go see this movie, go to one with children, someone else's kids, take someone else's kids. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a that's a great thing to uh, to, to to look at. Um, I think that uh, I was I, I'm jealous that you got to have that experience because I saw it just with with adults. So it's well, and I wouldn't have missed it. I wouldn't have realized that that would have enhanced the experience if I hadn't had it there. I would never go out of my way to say, "Hey, can we go to a movie that has a lot of small children in the audience?" Right. No, and, and that that totally makes sense. Oh. Uh. Yeah, there. I, I, I don't know. Uh, there are so in the the lines, the the really good writing was so prolific. I can't even remember it all. I am planning to uh, obtain a copy that I can actually take notes and yeah. pause because there are so many lines that you, by the end you just. You're just like, that was a good movie, but you can't remember all the no, lines. No, that was the thing. I mean, and especially, <laughs> I was kind of watching it and I didn't really have an opportunity to take a ton of notes. And so I was just trying to kind of remember it. But I was like, no, this is so, so, so good. Those end credits for anyone who's ever owned a cat in the show <laughs> inside the cat's brain right before it does that berserker, like bounce in every direction thing. That was amazing. I left. I was crying, doubled <laughs> over, because I have always wondered what leads to that, that moment where a cat just spazzes. And it was so well done. So good. So apparently in other countries, they change the food that Riley doesn't like from broccoli to other things. To, because like oh, broccoli, really? cause like in Japan, like broccoli apparently like isn't something people eat. So I think they changed it to cucumbers sure. or something. 
So they That's they, smart. They, they, they they changed. They actually did different animations, you know, for those parts, um, <laughs> which is kind of cool. Localized cartooning. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yes, it was. It was. Uh, Pixar is brilliant. Let's just say that. Absolutely. Did you, what'd you think about the, the volcano, uh, uh, featurette? Oh, I thought it was cute. I thought it was cute. And I thought that was about all you could say for the storyline and the song. I would agree. But that allowed me to really appreciate the graphics. I was going to say that, that, that was the most impressive thing. The, 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 the song, I mean, it was cute, but the graphics were like incredible. Like, and that's what that seemed like that was. That was a short that was really them showing off. Yeah, this is the totally. next technology that we're working on, and this is what our, our hopefully you know one of our next feature links will be like this the whole way through. I uh, I leaned over to Aditi during that part, and and I said, "Do you remember when I couldn't stop talking about how good the animation in Monsters Inc. was?" And she nodded, and I said, "This makes it look like shit because <laughs> yeah. it's so good. The dolphins, the turtles, the the volcanoes, the lower lip when he spoke." It was insane. So good. No, it's insane. It's so good. Um, also, just one last thing, kind of on the, on the personalities. I loved when they went inside the parents' brains. Yes. <laughs> I like the bus driver's brain where all the, all the emotions were based on anger's figure. Yes, exactly. I love that so much. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm cracking up now just thinking about that. Oh, I laughed too, way too much. And the... It was funny to me when they did the, uh, uh, the imaginary friend was, I can't even remember what he was listing, but deja vu kept coming up. Like he said it like three times and I was cracking up after the second time he threw it in, but then he continued peppering it into the list until finally even the little kids were laughing slightly bewildered. It was, yeah, it was so well written. It was, everything was good. I, like you said, this is seriously the best movie uh, animated or live action that I've seen in years. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely the best film I've seen this year, and and maybe in years. It was. I can't wait to see it again. I I yeah I I I'm almost speechless, but I want to have someone on systematic, uh, someone from a psych field. I'm yeah. still searching, but someone from a psych field or brain science to to discuss the uh, more technical merits of the movie. Because as far as comedy and everything goes, I, I'm absolutely convinced that I'm, I understand and am extremely pleased with. But I really want to kind of either debate or, or reinforce my, my understanding of the crazy amount of like reason versus emotion versus long-term storage versus subconscious versus forget, forgetting and discarding memories and all of that. Uh, that's, yeah, intense. Writers. Writers and research. I have great awe for that. Same. I mean, that, that's the thing. It's like you actually came away with it, like learning something about brain science. Yeah. Well, and I feel like that if, if you consider it an educational movie for young children. Yeah. And they grow up with, you know, these cartoon characters representing really valid areas of brain science. You can't complain about that. That You, you just instilled an advanced conceptual learning process into very young children. Yeah. But but then again, you're right. We have to stop thinking about this as a kids movie. I, maybe maybe it's an all ages genre, but maybe we need these to be grown up movies. I don't want them to be like PG thirteen or R. No, no, no. But just but perception they, wise, perception wise, I mean you could the fact that you could kind of be you know slightly more adults just about talking about emotions this way. Well, be, and the medium lends itself to things that. I mean, this movie, honestly, I don't know how you could have done it with live action. You wouldn't action. have been able to. That's the thing. You would not have been able to because so much of it, it's all about the internalized struggle. And the metaphors mm -hmm. that they chose were so good that you would need to have an animated film to really be able to express those metaphors. Agreed. Agreed. So, so it, it couldn't have been done any other way. But if you make an animated movie, it's automatically a kid's movie right now. Exactly. Interesting. Interesting. All right. We should probably stop there. I mean, I could honestly, we could, we could go on, we could both go on, but I know, I, I think that, I think that's good, but yeah, no, I mean, it was 
great movie. If you guys haven't seen it, see it. It's made seven hundred and thirty five million at the box office, like three hundred and fifty million worldwide, like and three hundred and fifty million in the US. Like it's insane. It's done incredibly well. It's an amazing because film. It has a ninety eight on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> yeah. Which is who I wanna know who those two percent of people are who didn't give it a perfect <laughs> score. And I wanna hit them. I wanna be like, What is wrong with you? There are probably a bunch of people who just never do higher than four stars. You see that on Yelp too. That's true. Like you'll see a four star review and then no complaints in the actual review. It was awesome, four stars because I don't know how five stars work. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, that was that was fun. That was that a good was a Labor Day recording. Yes, great Labor Day recording. I am. Uh, I'm not gonna have any problem getting sleep. I I'll, I'll update you. I have a on a point. I I can never get pro vigil. It's never gonna happen. Um. I might be able to try a new vigil, but only if I can convince someone to tell the insurance company that I'm narcoleptic, which would be a stretch. So, uh, but I have, I have, uh, a new whole new Avenue opening up later this week. So we'll talk about that next time. Sounds good. It sounds good. Um, so I'm not going to have any trouble getting to sleep either because I'm packing tonight and I have to leave tomorrow. So I'm like getting my, all my sleep in before my crazy week. I, I wish you the best of luck in your travels. Thank you very much. Uh, take notes on the bathrooms for me so we can do some comparison data. This sounds like a good thing. I will be checking out. I will be in at least three different airport bathrooms. So I will be checking them all out and letting you know. Snap pictures, but uh, facing forward. Okay. Nothing, you know. Yeah. Uh, obviously. It's creepy. Yeah, no. Right. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, have a good trip. Thanks, Brett. Have a uh, have a good week and uh, get some sleep, buddy. We might be off next week, right? We might be or off the, next like, week. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, well, you get some sleep, too, then. All right. Bye, Brad. Bye. This system is going down low.